0: Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. It's Kelly, and I'm always happy to be joining you for a new episode of the podcast. And today, I want to give you a little trigger warning before we dive into what we're going to be chatting about, because I'm going to be mentioning some pretty disturbing stuff. And yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, in advance of listening to Survivor Sanctuary, you're probably going to hear about child sexual abuse, but there are some things about today's episode that may be disturbing. So just warning you in advance. Um... The story that I'm going to share with you and the topic that I want to discuss can be pretty triggering for some people. And in fact, it was pretty triggering for a lot of people who heard about this this past week. And I'll get into the details and how this kind of unraveled. I do want to say I'm going to tell you a story in today's podcast that's based on some information that I have, a lot of information I don't have. I'm not going to mention any names or specifics because I don't think that's necessarily my place, but um, just wanted to get those few little caveats out of the way before we dive into talking about what's on today's episode. So I'm going to get into this story that kind of prompted today's episode. I want to talk about Mothers who side with abusers, and sometimes side with may not be the word, Um, so there's also mothers that stay with abusers. And I wanna say another little caveat for this episode. I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist. I'm not somebody who has put a lot of work into studying the dynamics of domestic violence. Um, I've experienced it, but it's not something that is really an arena that I find myself in a lot. I do follow a lot of domestic abuse advocates because I think there's overlap in all different kinds of abuse, whether it's you know sexual, physical, or spousal. There tends to be overlap in abuse, and there tends to be like an overlap of consequences of abuse. And a lot of times if you find that a, a woman is suffering from domestic violence, then odds are her children are as well. And sometimes her children maybe are being sexually abused. Um, this isn't like a big surprise or anything, but I want you to know that in this episode, I'm not coming to conclusions that would probably take you know years of research with very intelligent, very wise people who have a lot of degrees and I don't have them. So I I don't want this to come off as a judgment of mothers, a judgment of women who are in abusive relationships. And I also don't want it to come off as like, I have the answer for all of this. I have more questions, I'll say this, in this episode than I do have answers, but it's something that I think is really worth talking about because we see it, not only in cases of sexual abuse, and there have been several that have just kind of hit me in the face over the last several weeks, and I want to talk about them today on the podcast and kind of dig into mothers specifically. I'll say that, honestly, I would be hard-pressed to come up with a situation where a Male found out that his female partner was sexually abusing his children. I'm sure that that's happened. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but the vast majority of these cases are women discovering that their husbands are sexually abusing their kids. And in many of these cases, we see women just gathering up their children and running for their lives. And a lot of times it's difficult. Many women who have been abused, who find themselves in a situation with like a narcissistic spouse or an abusive spouse, a lot of times, and you see this in the church quite a bit, especially in churches, where uh, there are really strong complementarian beliefs. Um, You see it in the IFB. You see it in the really fundamental churches where it's believed that women should just stay at home and take care of the kids. You see women, and they have no means to take care of themselves. I know a lot of women like this, and, and I look at their spouses, and I'm like, you know... He's abusive, he's he's abusive, and something's not right in this marriage, and something's not right with these kids, but you see these women who kinda just make the best of it, I guess, because they don't have an alternative, because they haven't been allowed to work, they haven't been allowed to have their own checking accounts, they haven't been allowed to get credit cards in their name, They haven't been allowed to basically make their own decisions. And so the decision to leave a spouse is super, super difficult because it's not as easy as, well, I'm just going to take my money and leave. It's like, I'm going to take, you know, the seven children that you made me have, even though I wanted to stop after four. I'm going to take all of them and find some way to support them when I have no job experience, a lot of times no degree. Haven't been in the workforce for 10, 15 years and don't know how to do anything and can't afford anything. You know, a lot of times women stay in abusive situations because they don't have any other alternative but going to live in a homeless shelter. And again, I'm not an expert in this. If you want to know more about you know, women surviving domestic abuse and getting out of marriages that are horrible, there are some really amazing women who tackle this topic. One is Sarah McDougal. You can find her on Facebook. And she does a lot of work in this arena, in this area. And I would definitely consider her an expert because she's been there. So uh, again, I'm not an expert. But I just wanna talk about something that we see in situations of abuse so often, and that is women choosing to stick with abusers. And again, I'm not here to trash women. I'm not here to say that these women are never like psychologically abused to the point where they're so messed up that maybe making any kind of a decision is impossible. I know that in situations of abuse, this can be the case. But I also know that when I see that a man has sexually assaulted a child, and then I see that mother choose to look the other way, or not even look the other way in a lot of cases, as we're gonna hear in some stories that I'm gonna tell on today's episode, but to see what's actually happening, and to choose to, I guess, be in a state of denial, um, or to just believe what they need to believe in order to survive, I don't know what it is. Again, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know all of the nuances behind this. But we see it a lot and it's really disturbing to me. And I wanna know, again, in this episode I have more questions than I have answers, but I wanna know where the line is where we excuse women covering for sexual abusers of children because they've been abused themselves. I wanna know where the line is. Where, where do we draw the line where you're excused from getting your kids away from this monster because you're abused and where I don't care if you were abused, the man you're married to sexually assaulted your kid and you know that he did and you know that it's true and you've chosen to stay with this person and not just stay with them but to support them and and to have their back and this has to be at the expense of your child. So that's the question that I'm grappling with on this episode, and when you talk to some victims of domestic violence, um, I know I posted once that I thought that a woman was you know, not handling properly the way that her husband was physical with her kids, and that she always made excuses for her husband, and she, uh, this wasn't a situation of sexual abuse, it was physical, Um, But I remember posting on a, like, domestic abuse survivors, like, Facebook group. It may have actually been Sarah McDougall's, and just, uh, it was in response to something that she had posted, and saying, like, yeah, I know this person who, um, her husband physically abuses her kids, and it's bad. He verbally and physically abuses them, and psychologically abuses them, and he's an alcoholic, so he's filled with fury all the time, and, and the kids are growing up in this, and they're going to be and already are majorly affected by it and just saying like all she does is talk about how amazing he is and posts online about what a wonderful father and husband he is (laughs) and it's like you know that that's not the reality of what's happening behind the scenes and so I got some pushback I mean in a nice way but some pushback from women who had survived domestic violence and saying you know these women are they're abused themselves and so you know they have to have these narratives in their head in order to be able to survive. I don't remember everything everybody said to me, but I I know enough to know that it's a different feeling when a woman supports an abuser rather when someone in the general public does. When I, I should not just say a woman, but a mother supports an abuser. There seems to be this attitude that, well, she's abused herself. And so obviously it's understandable that she's going to be deceived into or traumatized into or whatever into supporting this man. Um, So I'm just wondering in today's episode, kind of working these thoughts out aloud, this is not going to be a super polished like I have these great answers for you because I don't. Again, I have more questions than answers here. But I just want to know where the line is. Like, Where is that line that we draw where we say I don't care what has been done to you, there is no excuse for staying with a man or supporting a man who has been credibly accused or has even admitted to sexually assaulting one of your own children that you gave birth to. And I don't wanna say that this is something you see all the time in domestic violence situations. I am not here saying, so please hear me, I am not here saying that women who are in situations where they're being abused by a spouse are very prone to being like, oh, hey, it's fine if you sexually abuse my kids. I don't care. I don't believe that at all. But I do see sometimes that being used as an excuse when people try to understand why these women choose to support the spouse or the boyfriend or the significant other that has abused their child. So one of the stories I'm thinking of is a story out of Ohio where a 10-year-old crossed state lines so that she could get an abortion because she was pregnant by a man who was 27 years old and was the significant other. I don't believe they were married, but he was the significant other of this child's mother. And I know the story has been in the news for a while, especially everything with Roe v. Wade, and this 10-year-old's abortion was reported, and I think it was initially believed that the perpetrator was 17 years old, but come to find out, it was actually the 27-year-old au pair, if you will, of this girl's mom. And I remember seeing a video that was just completely, completely heartbreaking and the video was of a news station going to this mother's house to try and question her and her basically saying no this is this is all a lie my daughter's fine everything that they said about you know the perpetrator is a lie he's a good man everything's fine and it was so heartbreaking to watch that and of course this woman is broken and probably in the most horrifying situation she's ever found herself in but the fact that her 10-year-old daughter had to go and have an abortion because she was impregnated by this mother's boyfriend is disturbing to the point that I can't even wrap my brain around this mom being like, no, everything's fine. What they're saying about him is a lie and none of this is true. I don't understand that. I I truly, truly don't. And I have no idea if this man, the perpetrator in this instance, was a, an abusive boyfriend, if he hit the mom, what he did. We have no idea, um, at least not from anything that I've read on the topic. But we do know that he sexually assaulted a 10-year-old child and impregnated her. And that this girl's mother, at least from what we've seen so far, has been defending him and saying no my daughter's fine and these are all lies it just like i can't I, i can't wrap my brain around that because in my mind if something like that happens and my 10 year old ends up pregnant from my boyfriend he's out on his ear and trust me I know it's easier said than done when a woman has no means to support herself. I get that it's easier said than done. So I'm not being flippant about like, oh, it would be so easy to just leave and start all over or whatever. Like I completely get that that's not a simple problem to solve. But to me, the simple part is not supporting a man who would sexually assault your child. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around. And again, I don't understand all of the psychology behind it. If it's Stockholm syndrome, if it's something else, I'm not a professional. But I just want to know where do we draw the line from feeling sorry for a woman and thinking she must be so abused herself and saying, no, this woman is an abuser. Because only an abuser would sacrifice the innocence of their sweet baby on the altar of their significant other's sexual deviance. So that's the question that I'm grappling with, that line and where it is. And if there is an identifiable line, like I'm not positive, but I know for me, it's that anybody who touches my kid in any sexual way ever is out of my life and gone, the end. So that's one of the stories that I wanted to share in this episode. And the other one is, this is the one that's completely bizarre to me and I don't have a ton of details, but I do have the news article and I have this woman's own words and I just have a lot of questions, but also it's the same thing where I wanna know where the line is between victim and traumatized mother and abuse enabler or abuser. Like where where's that line? And when do we know that it's been crossed? So I'm a part of different groups on Facebook, which may come as a shock, not just sexual abuse ones, but I'm, I'm part of a group on Facebook. It's a bunch of women and mostly single women. And so typically you don't find anybody in there that's married at all. And someone joined this group and I just happened to see her post. And my first feeling, my first thought was of just feeling bad for her And she basically wanted to know if she was allowed to be in the group because she's technically married and the group was more for people who do not have a spouse or a significant other. And so, you know, she started off her post with, I'm not sure if I belong here because I'm married. She said, my husband is incarcerated and he's going to be for at least the next 20 years. She then, you know, went on to share that she had had a miscarriage a few months ago and that she has four children from a previous marriage one with her husband that's now incarcerated and between the two of them they had eight kids before he went to prison so then she goes on to say and was oversharing but it still didn't cross my mind that you know I should feel anything but empathy for this woman and I I did I felt for her when I read her post and then her post just sort of got bizarre she said that before her husband was sentenced to this 20 years in prison they froze his sperm in an emotional decision Uh, I guess that emotional decision was you know you're going to be in prison for 20 years I want another kid so we'd better freeze your sperm I'm not sure (laughs) again I'm just laying it out here as I saw it. we don't mince words here on Survivor Sanctuary so she said that she wants her daughter to have a full sibling And with everything in her, she wants to have another baby. So she was just letting everybody know that she had this plan to, like, go it alone. So technically, she was single, but just not sure if... She belonged in this group. And she went on to say that some people in her life think that she's crazy and and that she just needs, like, support. And so the first few comments were in support of her, but saying, hey, this really isn't a group for you because you're married. And I was like, dang, ladies, like, calm down. Like, the woman is married, but her husband's in prison for 20 years. She might as well be single. And so I had all this, like, compassion. And I was about to say, hey, you know, technically, yeah, she's married, but this is a an extenuating circumstance circumstance so I don't know why it didn't cross my mind because I was more concerned with her I think is what it was I was just thinking of her and how she felt at that time and that she seemed like a broken person and just it was a bizarre post and so I'm feeling all kinds of oh this poor woman imagine your husband going away for 20 years never crossed my mind to look into why he may have gone to prison. It may have come up later for me, because typically I am very curious, and I'm an internet sleuth man, and if I need information, I'm gonna be pretty good at finding it, but it didn't cross my mind. However, somebody else in the group must have had all these red flags going off, and good for them. Apparently their intuition is better than mine, <laughs> but they found this article and posted it in the comments section. And it turns out that this woman's husband was sentenced to 20 years in prison Because he was convicted of rape, sodomy, and indecent liberties stemming from these incidents that happened last year at the end of December involving his 13-year-old stepdaughter. And the only article, his sentencing didn't even make it to the news. And I'm very confused by this because it's hard to find details about this online. But there is an article from when he was charged with rape, sodomy, and indecent liberties with his 13-year-old stepdaughter. And it says in this article that interviews were conducted with this man with the victim and with the victim's mother. And it stemmed from an incident that occurred at their home December 29th of last year. And it was witnessed, witnessed by the victim's mother. So this woman who's posting in this Facebook group, witnessed, and I don't know how much she witnessed, but she witnessed this incident where he's charged from this incident with rape, sodomy, and indecent liberties. He was charged with two counts of rape of a victim under 14 years of age with one count of aggravated sodomy and six counts of aggravated indecent liberties with a child. And he was convicted on these counts, FYI. We now know, 20 years in prison, he was convicted. But the part that just left me dumbfounded was that this incident that resulted in this man's arrest was witnessed by the victim's mother. And in a subsequent interview, like, I don't think this case went to trial. I think he just pled guilty. It was very fast. And so I don't believe that this was a thing where this case went to trial. I think he just pled guilty or took a plea deal. I'm not sure. But he admitted to this. In interviews with investigators, he told them that this relationship, and it makes me so angry that they use the word relationship because that's not what that is, but this relationship with his stepdaughter had developed over several months since late October, and it culminated in this assault on December 29th, and it was witnessed by her mother. And so... Everybody in this Facebook group that I'm in was just super up in arms. There were so many strong reactions. The woman immediately left the group and her post was removed, but I had already taken screenshots because I was just like, what is happening right now? And all I could think was, this sweet little 13-year-old baby And I've seen pictures of her because this woman's Facebook was not private. And I I felt like, should I even say this? Because the Facebook group we're in is private. However, she could have chosen to post anonymously and she didn't. She posted with her real name. She posted with her Facebook completely open to anybody who wanted to look at it. And that's how we were able to find this news story and find out what her husband was serving this 20 years in prison for. So I don't think there's this like big expectation of privacy when your Facebook page is public and also when you tell people your husband was sentenced to 20 years in prison and also when you post your real identity in a Facebook group and you actually can post anonymously now. Oh, good feature, little side note here. If you're ever uncomfortable posting on Survivor Sanctuary using your actual name and there can be very many different reasons for this you are totally welcome now if you click the little three dots above the message I think that's where it is you can choose to post anonymously and I think that that's awesome because sometimes people just don't want to put their face and all their business out there so it's a great feature she did not choose this feature And so it doesn't seem that the expectation of privacy was there. And therefore, I feel like I can talk about it on this episode. And also, the fact that I'm not using any names or locations or anything like that, it's going to be very difficult to find this story. Because really, there is one news article about it online. It's very, very hidden away. I'm not sure if nobody did, like more stories on it because... The victim was a minor and her identity couldn't be released. But this mom is not even trying to protect her daughter's identity. She went on a Facebook group that is full of thousands and thousands of people. It is a very large Facebook group. She went there and posted with no privacy whatsoever and has pictures of her daughter on her Facebook page that everybody can see and so she basically like opened that up for her daughter to kind of not have that privacy either but I was just baffled guys I can't wrap my brain around it I can't this isn't a case of like oh the daughter was hurt and she claims that he hurt her and then this husband I mean even then you should be smart enough to know that your child is telling the truth But it's not a case of that. She witnessed at least a part of this assault. And I'm saying at least a part because they're not specific in this article about how much of the incident was witnessed. All it says is the incident was witnessed by her. So she witnesses this and her reaction to her husband raping her 13-year-old daughter was to support him. And we know that she supported him because they were still together when he was sentenced. And in fact, she was pregnant by him when he was sentenced. And she did not get pregnant until after his arrest because of the timeline that she gave us. Like she told us how many weeks along she would have been, which means that she got pregnant after his arrest and after his admission of guilt. I don't know what to do with that information. I just don't, it it baffles the mind. And there were a few women on this Facebook group who, you know, tried to defend her a little bit, I guess. And they were just saying things like, well, obviously, she's in a very, very messed up situation. Obviously, this woman needs help. And I would wholeheartedly agree, yes, this woman needs help. But at what point do we say it doesn't matter what she's experienced? It doesn't matter the psychological difficulty here the bottom line is that she's enabling abuse and she's not giving her daughter the support that she needs by just full stop condemning the man who did this to her daughter and i want to say in this case this woman seemed incredibly happily married she had all her wedding pictures up and she just like I even read her wedding story like I told you internet sleuthing over here I found her wedding website where she told the story of how they met and you know something that she said in her story was how helpful he was that he just showed up to help with whatever she needed super super helpful and I find that in a lot of cases where people are abusers that can be something that they do they're very very helpful with things that you need especially if you young mom and you have kids that are really difficult to take care of by yourself and you're struggling Uh, so he was very helpful very sweet very kind and she seemed over the moon happy and ecstatic with her marriage and the fact that she wants to stay with him even though he's gonna be incarcerated for 20 years and that's the least of it she wants to stay with him and have another baby with him even though he raped and sodomized her 13 year old daughter okay so that to me is just, I don't know, it, it's its crazy. And again, I don't know the psychology behind everything. Maybe she's just in complete and utter denial because it's too hard for her to face the truth of what's happened. I know that there are reasons here, but at the same time, it is so difficult to fathom someone being able to continue to support a man who had done this to their child. He's in prison for 20 years because he did unthinkably horrendous things to her flesh and blood child at 13 years old and her deepest desire is to have another baby with this guy while he's incarcerated it breaks my heart for her kids it makes me kind of it's like trying to wrap your brain around it is really really difficult that you could have any love left for a person who did something like that to your kid I don't get it will not pretend to understand the psychology behind it But I also wonder if it's a thing of psychology or if it's a thing of sacrificing your kids on the altar of your relationship that you don't want to let go of, sacrificing your kids So you can stay married to somebody who you thought was your Prince Charming. I mean, I don't know the line he fed her like, oh, I drank and I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, I took an Ambien. This is stuff I'm making up because I am trying to think like in what scenario she can see what he did. Not just hear about it after the fact, but actually witness it and then still want to be with him. Stick with him while he's in prison for 20 years and have another baby with him. Through my internet sleuthing, in addition to this, I found that this woman works, I believe, as a teacher at a local elementary school. And I don't know, all of this just, it just makes you feel just, oh, it, it's hard to even comprehend it. Um, you see the Facebook pages of her family members and like um, the perpetrator's mother. Her profile photo is of her and her son who raped his 13-year-old stepdaughter, violently and was convicted after admitting he did it to 20 years in prison. And there are other people posting things like, oh, it would be a shame if you looked at one bad choice a person made and judged them with that for the rest of their lives. And I'm thinking to myself, he didn't knock off a liquor store, people. He sexually assaulted his 13-year-old stepdaughter, a little girl, violently. He was charged with rape and aggravated sodomy and indecent liberties and a slew of other things like this was not some little misunderstanding and oh, you know, she said that he may have been inappropriate. No, this was actually something that her mother saw and that was horrifying enough that the man is now serving 20 years in prison. And I just have to wonder about this woman's mental health. Obviously, I have to wonder about her ability to make good choices for the five kids that are in her care or would be five if she decides to go ahead with her plan to become pregnant with her child rapist husband's sperm it's insane and like this is an over-the-top story but I, I told you about one before about the 10 year old girl who ended up pregnant and the mom saying she's fine and he didn't do anything wrong you know that support and then this woman and I think of stories that of just growing up um I say growing up, but I was actually in college and I was serving as a youth director at a church. And in that church, there was a very, very strict couple there with two daughters and they never wanted their daughters to go anywhere, do anything. They were very overprotective and At one point, one of their daughters, who I may have mentioned on the podcast before, but she was very innocent. I think that she probably had a bit of a developmental delay. She's a very naive girl and super innocent and just super sweet. Like that was just her persona. And, you know, I always enjoyed chatting with her at church and stuff. And one day, much to our collective shock, the father of this girl came and said, you know, she just moved out and moved in with her boyfriend. And like that was a huge no-no in this Baptist church, of course, and especially with this dad. And he's like, you got to go. He, he told my dad, the pastor, like, you got to go get her back. And so uh, a, a deacon and, and my dad, the, the pastor, got together and they went to chat with her and say, hey, you know, according to scripture, this is living in sin. Your dad really wants you to come home. And so she just laid it out on the table and she said, my dad has been having sex with me since I was 12 years old. And she said, I decided I had had enough. So when I was 17, I told him, no more. This is not going to happen anymore. And when she turned 18 and she was of legal age, she made the decision to move out. So it was a shocking story, um, but they believed her when they, of course, confronted her father with this. He said, no, it's absolutely not true. This has never happened. And so they asked her mom, do you recall ever seeing anything inappropriate happen? And she actually spoke up and said, yes, that she had walked in on them once and that there was pornography on. She had caught her husband and her young, either preteen or early teen daughter um, together, watching pornography and, and doing who knows what else. And, you know, she said something to him like, what is going on? And his explanation to her was, well, I have to show her this stuff because I ha- she has to learn like what men are going to want from her and she has to be prepared, you know, because the world is bad. And so, yeah, that's a terrible excuse. And I always just wondered, like, how could you take that at face value and be like, oh, OK, well, carry on with whatever it is you're doing with my young child and this pornography again, trying not to be judgmental here and and just throw these women under the bus. Um, I truly believe that this woman, she probably really wanted to believe his explanation because any other explanation would be life shattering. And so part of her was probably in denial and just chose the easiest route which was accept what he said. And this was another woman who did not work, who did not have any means to support herself, who it would have been very difficult for her to be able to walk away from that marriage with a child and you know not having support. But at what point do we say you being abused is not an excuse here. You being gaslit is not an excuse here. You dealing with your own emotional wounds is not an excuse here. If you know that someone is sexually abusing your child, at what point do you become complicit in allowing this? And and here's the crazy thing with this other story that I told you about the woman on Facebook whose husband is incarcerated. I'm fully confident that because of the choices that she's made, they clearly stayed together after he was arrested for, raping her daughter they clearly stayed together because she became pregnant by him and is staying married to him and wants to have another baby with him but if he hadn't been convicted if it had been a thing of oh well she retracted her story and there wasn't enough evidence and yada 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 and all those things that happen in cases like this if there wasn't enough evidence to take it to trial whatever I am fully confident she would still be with this man who had raped her kid confident a hundred percent that she'd still be with him and I don't understand it now I don't know because I I haven't seen any information regarding this online Uh, maybe she did have her children taken away from her I don't know but that wasn't anything that she mentioned in this post to the people that she posted to in the group that I'm a part of she said you know between the two of us we have eight kids this wasn't like oh my kids are taken away she wanted a full-blooded sibling for her youngest child, who is the child of both of them. And so that's was her whole reason for doing this crazy thing where they froze his sperm. Like, I, I don't know, just completely, completely insane to me. And so that's just my question here. I get that people are deceived. I get that it is so complex when you find out that your spouse is an abuser. I can't imagine that I can't imagine what you would go through I can imagine that it would probably be easier to just believe him when he says he's super sorry and the Ambien made him do it or whatever I get it but like I told some women who were just doubling down on just feeling sorry for this woman and you know just hope and pray she gets the help she needs I agree with that but what about the help that her kids need and If she's willing to stay with an abuser and keep having children with a person who raped her kid, what other choices is she making in her life where her kids are involved? How safe are they? At what point do we stop making excuses for women who side with the predators who abuse their children and call it abuse? I told you before I don't have the answers to this and it's because I truly, truly don't. All I know is that it is deeply disturbing when we see this and it's not something that's isolated. We see it a lot. Parents not believing their kids and parents not supporting their kids is incredibly painful and incredibly difficult to live with. And thank goodness my parents have been you know, as supportive as they're able, and they always believed me after I told them, and have even apologized for not knowing what was going on. So I'm not saying if you didn't know what was going on, or if a woman didn't know what was going on, this is not a knock against women who are married to abusers. I'm not putting that in their laps like, oh, there's something messed up in you and so you choose abusive people or oh, it's because you're codependent or oh, it's this or oh, it's that. No, I I don't believe that. I just don't. I think that abusers prey on people and that's why women end up married to abusers. I, I really think that that's just the gist of it. And so finding out that your husband is an abuser, a sexual abuser, any other kind of abuser, I, I don't think that the woman has any share in that. If if a man abused a woman's kids and she finds out after the fact, this is not her fault. And, and I don't lay any of the blame there whatsoever. So I just wanted to make that really clear. The thing I struggle with is when a woman knows and she stays and I'm not talking about she stays when she's being abused because I know that that happens and people are like why didn't you get out before and I know there's so much like psychological crap in there that's hard to unravel, I get that. But at what point is it not all of my wounding has caused this and at what point does it become you're enabling an abuser at a minimum or even you are being abusive. That's just the question I have. So many questions, so many questions just in my head. I'm like, this woman, this woman is a a teacher of elementary students. How can her decision making skills be trusted with kids? How can she be trusted with the kids that she has when she's clearly making very, very, very terrible decisions? Yes, she needs help. I I hope that she gets some serious, serious therapy, but I also just like, it it worries me. It's, I, I can't even imagine, like, just. 13 year old kid being sexually assaulted by her stepfather and she said in the interviews that he had never done anything before that night to make her feel uncomfortable so she probably didn't realize she was being groomed um, like most people don't and that's totally understandable but to have this happen and then to have your mom stay married to him and keep supporting him and essentially choosing him over you I, I cannot I cannot even begin to wrap my brain around this. So is it just these women are abused and they can't help themselves, or is it abusive behavior? And I think it can be a little bit of a slippery slope because if we start like excusing everybody's like acceptance of abuse, again, I'm not speaking about domestic violence here. So please understand, I know that there's some overlap here. I, I know that there is, and and that's something that I can't help so I'm not saying like why did you stay with an abusive husband like that's not it like from all accounts and everything that she said and posted her husband never did anything bad to her he was just magical and a prince but then he raped her daughter but if we use all of this woman's issues, her her mental health issues and her psychological disorders, whatever it is that's causing her to think it's a good idea to stay married to a child rapist who violated her own daughter, like if we use all of that as an excuse for her staying with him, then why can't we just use all of his issues as his excuse for being that child molester in the first place? And that's the issue that I have with it because a lot of people will say, oh, men who abuse, They were most likely abused themselves. And sorry, I shouldn't make light of that. Because I know that sometimes it's true, but not anywhere near as much as people will say. And I'll tell you this. I was abused, and I don't sexually assault children. I know many, many people who are abused, and they don't sexually assault children. They want to protect children because of what happened to them. But if we use everybody's mental health whatever and psychological issues as an excuse for choosing a child molester over their kids then why not use the child molesters past as an excuse for him to do everything oh we can't be mad at him for raping kids because he was sexually abused as a child it's just tragic but we can't be mad at him what he needs is help he really needs help he doesn't need our anger i'm sorry but that to me is just it's crap and while i do have empathy and i do understand that many people who become abusers probably went through some not great stuff as children. Again I will say if going through bad stuff made you abuse people then every person who went through bad stuff would be an abuser and the vast majority of people who went through childhood sexual abuse do not become abusers themselves. They're not out assaulting kids because they went through that as a child. It's ridiculous. So again my question in this podcast where do we draw that line? What part of it is this woman was deceived and she was gaslit and she was manipulated, et cetera, et cetera. So we can't hold this against her. And like, where's that line from there to wow, she knows that this man sexually assaulted her kid. He admitted to it, he's in prison for it, and she's still choosing to back him and stand by him. Like, at what point do we start to call that behavior abusive? And that's my question for you today. But if you have thoughts, I'd love to hear them as always. Like I don't have answers, so maybe you have one and I'd love to hear it. Um, You can join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page and post there and let me know what you think of today's episode and maybe we can work this out together. And yeah, that was a lot for one episode of Survivor Sanctuary, but thanks for sticking with me and I will catch you back here on the next episode. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.